We always want to present our best for the kingdom. I've been preaching on the kingdom of God. The first six or eight weeks, I've talked principles about the kingdom, principles to do with how Jesus came to turn the tables upside down. The first Adam turned the tables upside down and he brought divine order into worldly, ungodly disorder. Where man was meant to be the head and not the tail, demons became the head. And man became even less than the tail. And Jesus came to set that right. Salvation is about the restoration of all things. Redeeming everything that went wild and haywire as a result of the fall and bringing restoration back to where man was destined to be. God created him in his image. Don't you think God wants him to remain in his image? God created a home. It was a paradise. God now has recreated us. He doesn't want us to live in a broken universe. And so the restoration of all things has started at the cross, and there are certain elements that will finish in the days to come, in the next age, he will re-establish uh, the heavens over the earth. He will cleanse the atmosphere. He will dethrone every power of darkness uh, and uh, literally take them out of the heavens around the earth. He will sanctify the earth. He will rebuild the earth. And then he will take his church out of heaven. And heaven and earth will come together again. And the kingdom of God, there will be no gap between the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven, we will have one harmonious existence throughout the universe with God our Father, and he will worship with us on earth. Can I get an agreement here? Amen. I look forward to that. And so I've been preaching about kingdom priorities. Well, I've been preaching about kingdom power. I've spent much time talking to you about how because he came to bring divine order right, bring divine order back, that we're not at the bottom of the B list. We're at the top of the A list. If Jesus brought his A game to the cross, do you think he's going to leave you in the B game? No. He has brought divine order and put all things under our feet. Why? Divine order. He came to destroy the works of the evil one. What Satan has stolen, what Satan has destroyed, what Satan has uh, messed up, God has come to restore to godly order. Jesus said, pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I see the will of God before the fall of the first Adam. After the fall of the first Adam, I see the will of man messing everything up. Are you with me? Turn to that person on your left and say, he's preaching the truth. Now turn to the person on your right. He said, he's right on. He's spot on. I'm going to ask, I'm going to do two things here. I'm going to ask... Um, Caroline, you have a testimony, and she speaks Spanish, so I need help. You're going to interpret for me? 
Your father told me that you and your brother are excellent interpreters, both for Spanish and Portuguese. Is that correct? How many of you think, Pastor Carlos and I have been talking about this, how many of you think it'd be really cool if we could get our Sunday services and have them rebroadcast on Facebook and online, and while I'm preaching in English, there's an interpretation in Spanish and Portuguese. Amen. We, we have people watching in Africa, Australia. We have them coming from all around the world, and uh, they, they view and they watch us, and that's why our attendance online and in the house has been increasing. So you do Portuguese and Spanish, correct? And you're fluent in both. Awesome. So we can go international from right here in this place. How's that sound? That sounds pretty good. So can I borrow you for a moment? Yep, come on. Caroline, come down. I want, Caroline came up to me after church last week and fortunately I had Patrice next to me. Now I will say that if a person speaks Spanish slowly, I will understand a fair bit. And so I had Patrice here, and Caroline started telling me what happened to her. Remember when I prayed for uh, Yvette, and God healed her shoulders? Well, something happened to Caroline. And she starts telling me, and I'm, uh, I'm repeating what she said in English, and Patrice looks at me and goes, you don't need an interpreter. But how many of you know, you only have to get one word wrong. <laughs> Does anyone use voice to text? See, I haven't said anything. You're already laughing because you know sometimes we just go sand and then we read what got sent and it was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I got to call them and explain what just happened. All right. So you only have to get one word wrong and you're in deep, deep doo-doo. Did I just say that? All right. Uh, so... Uh, last, uh, two weeks ago when I prayed for Yvette, Yvette got healed. Ken had God touch him. I told him about what happened to you, Ken, last week. So we're not going to revisit it. Uh, I need a microphone. Here we go. <clears throat> That's a wired one. This is wireless. The sound team loves me because I'm forever just doing things on the spur of the moment. And uh, why don't you come here because the two of you are going to have to share this mic. You know how to use it, so you put it up to her mouth. Carolina, tell us what happened last week. Me entiende. Me entiendes. Poquito. So tell her to tell everyone what happened last week when I prayed, what her condition was, how long she suffered, and what happened when we prayed two weeks ago. Eso fue el domingo 9 de octubre, cuando el pastor oraba, que pidió quien se sentía, tenía algún problema de salud, levantara la mano. Pero como yo todo lo hago a través del de traductor, porque okay. pues no entiendo. Stop, Sorry. now you interpret, yeah, yeah. I can interpret that, but go on. Um, everything happened on October 9th, when you were pray, pray, um, praying. praying. And you said who was feeling any kind of pain. Yep. And she always used the Google Translator to see what you're saying just to kind of understand better. Entonces, pues, no levanté mi mano. Sin embargo, yo oré en ese momento por mí. Eh, yo tenía hernias discales en mi zona lumbar. Tengo, tenía más de 10 años con okay. esas hernias. 
She didn't raise her hand, but she started praying for herself. Um, she was feeling a lot of pain with hernia. Herniated. 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 Yes. Ten years. For ten years. Her back was herniated. When she was in her country, the doctor wanted to do a surgery on her, but she didn't want to do it. Él me dijo, en algún momento te tendrás que operar porque las tienes muy, te, te están afectando mucho. Yo dije, bueno, en nombre de Dios, solo dije, ese día. And he told her that in a, a certain moment you're going to have to get a surgery because it's getting very big and bad. So, and she said, okay, we'll see what God says. Ese día que el pastor estábamos acá orando, yo le oré al Señor y le pedí que desintegrara esas hernias porque... Me, el dolor es muy fuerte yo mientras adorábamos cuando yo me tengo que sentar tenía que estar en movimiento porque el dolor no me dejaba mantenerme así en pie mm -hmm. so she's explaining that when she um, sometimes when she's worshiping when she needs to sit down she kind of had to stretch herself because she feels a lot of pain si estaba mucho tiempo sentada necesitaba al levantarme apoyarme aquí como para aguantar el dolor right. mientras me mantenía hasta right. que me paraba. She was sitting down, she had to kind of help herself to sit or, uh, or stand up because the, the pain will hold her down. Incluso para dormir también me molestaban para el momento si me quería mover, de cambiar de posición, era muy incómodo y el dolor era fuerte. Even for her to go to sleep, she kind of felt a lot of pain even moving herself around the bed. Ese día, eh, cuando hice la oración, eh, sentí de inmediato que el dolor había desaparecido. Y pues todas estas dos semanas que han pasado, he estado sin dolor, si me, me levanto sin ningún malestar. Since she prayed that day, she felt the pain immediately went away. And she hasn't felt any pain since then. And she's been able to sit down, lay down without pain. Praise God. Come on. So she's healed. Amen. Herniated discs, 10 years of pain, couldn't even sleep comfortably because the pain would be there even in her sleeping. I've often noticed during worship she would sit down or lean forward on the chair, totally healed by the power that comes in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, I think we should stand and give the Lord a standing ovation. Come on, praise him. Thank you, Jesus. We give you the glory. You deserve all the glory, right? Isn't that what we're singing? You deserve all the glory. Listen, Pastor Rob doesn't do that. God does that. He can use me just like he can use you. But God's the one who gets all the glory. Amen. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Praise God. So tell her to do something for me. Before you got healed. Antes. Antes. Did I say that right? No, did I say right? I'm trying to show off. <laughs> Could you bend down and touch your toes? In a lot of pain. Bend down and touch your toes. 
Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. That's awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So like I said, for six or eight weeks, we've talked about the kingdom of God and the power of the kingdom. It's not just doctrine. There has to be experience. If the doctrine is true, then the reality of that doctrine has to be seen. It has to be experienced. And so we had Yvette get healed. Other people in the church got healed. Ken was at home in pain between his neck and his shoulders. He got healed. And, of course, Caroline got healed. Church, look, please, please understand my heart. I've lived outside of this nation and for 29 years, and I've come back to my country. This is my country, okay? And I love America, but sometimes we've made the gospel and the American church just another stepping stone so that we build our ministry. I want to bring the church's attention back to Jesus because I could fail you in a heartbeat. I can mess up in a nanosecond because God uses broken vessels. We're human. And when we fail, God will restore us and he'll pick us up again and the church falls out of their tree and everybody gets all upset. But if we keep our focus on Jesus and he's the one we keep exalting, then we don't need to kill someone when they fall off their pedestal. Hello? Come on now. Am I speaking the truth? Christine, right? Larry, you keep coming back. What do you come back for? You know, this guy is so big, I'm going to sit on his lap for a minute. Oh, my lumbars. <laughs> Listen, buddy, you should be very appreciative. I just dropped 25 pounds, so I'm a lot lighter. Amen. That's two and a half 10-pound bags of potatoes that I just lost. So. The reason why is I've eaten two and a half 10-pound bags less of potatoes. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, listen. The kingdom of God is now. We've got to get out of religion, and we've got to get into reality. I love Jesus' preaching because he was so real. Everything was imminent. Everything was now. He said it, and he demonstrated it. The kingdom of God is now. You are rulers in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I confer a kingdom upon you. I put it on you. He has put the kingdom on you. We, he has given us his authority. Why? So that we can blow our own trumpet. Da, 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 da. Here I come. <laughs> you know, I have three grandchildren. My youngest grandchild is a little girl. Her name is Aria. She's barely three years old. Well, she just turned three years old. We just had a birthday party. But prior to her even being three, if we would have a function at the church, this has happened several times, and uh, next door we might have like a, a dinner for the, the, all the visitors of the church, She'll come as soon as she gets here. She'll come. She'll race up to the door, open the door, and she goes, I hear. The party can start now. I'm here. <laughs> you know? Three. Wait till she's 13. <laughs> but, but sometimes we, we, we do that. God has given us authority not so that we can 
blow our own trumpet and say, oh, I have a powerful ministry. He's given us authority so that we do the works of the king in the kingdom of God and keep the kingdom of darkness in its place, which is under our feet in Jesus' name. All right, you can all go home. I mean, after six, eight weeks of preaching that, if I can't get a better response than that, what am I going to point today? I'm not going to go anywhere. I said he has given us authority so that we can do the works of the king and kick the enemy in the teeth and set the captives free and keep the kingdom of darkness under our feet. Yes! That's not just a good sermon. Oh, we, we did that series already. That's my daily reality. I live, I breathe, I suck air to keep pushing forward the works of God and to keep destroying the works of the evil one in people's lives. I don't counsel people and counsel marriages and pray for the sick to get paid. I do it because that's what Jesus came to do. And every one of us are called to do what Jesus came to do. It's getting thinner. I had you there for a second. Every one of us are called to do the same thing Jesus came to do. Jesus said it. Listen, your pastor's not saying it. Jesus said the things I do, you will do also. And greater... We're still struggling in our minds to even reach up to do the things he did. When Jesus said that, he's saying, this is your purpose in life. To keep doing what I did and go beyond me. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So the authority, the power, he didn't give it to me so I can build Rob Scarallo Ministries. He gave it to me so that I could impart it to you, and he gave it to you so you could impart it to people in your workplace. You could be at the water cooler, and somebody breaks down and starts talking about the prognosis the doctor just gave them. Take the opportunity and say, listen, Jesus Christ can set you free. You see, sometimes we think we've got to take them from Genesis all the way down to Revelation and get them a Bible college degree before they can get healed. Here's the interesting thing. Jesus told his disciples, go to every house, tell them the kingdom of God is here, then prove it. You know what signs and wonders are for? Signs and wonders aren't for the believer unless we're the recipient of the healing. Signs and wonders are for the unbelievers so that they see a sign, they start to wonder, and they accept Jesus into their heart. So they don't have to believe. You have to believe. And you can lay hands on them, and they can see a sign and a wonder. I think people go quiet because then it means the onus also falls on you. Amen. Hallelujah. So anyway, I spent the last six or eight weeks talking about the power of the kingdom. Nick, <laughs> to me, this is real. It is absolute. This is what the kingdom of God, this is what church is about. 
raising up people like you who get saved, ask Jesus in your heart, and then pumping you along the way so that you keep growing and growing and growing in your relationship with God, trusting him more and more, and coming to the place where you really start wrapping your head around the fact that he called you to be a prince in his kingdom. You are sons of God. You're meant to be royalty. You're meant to think like princes. Most of us think God got us saved and now he wants us to be the big beggars in his kingdom. There are no beggars in the kingdom of God. There are beggars in the kingdom of darkness. There are no beggars in the kingdom of God. I know that's good preaching. I'll go home and watch this and I'll say amen. You think I'm kidding? I watch every sermon. Every sermon I preach, I go home and I watch it. And from my living room lounge, I'm going, go on, Pastor Rob. <laughs> so one way or the other, I'm going to encourage myself. Praise God. Amen. Absolutely. But I've spent the first six, eight weeks preaching this stuff, and I'm never going to stop preaching the kingdom of God. Because that's the big picture. Okay? We might sometimes touch on subjects that fit into the big picture. But the big picture is kingdom living. It's prosperity. It's healing. It's bringing divine order into our homes, being a covering over our kids, even if they're backslidden, and standing in a position of faith until they come back to Jesus Christ. There's so many aspects to the kingdom. Kingdom is about how you live, living righteously, turning away from whatever secret sin, whether it's the secret sin of cheating your boss, whether it's the secret sin of stealing time that's not yours, whether it's the secret sin of, uh, uh, of pornography or, or lust or hate or anger or malice. The kingdom of God is about walking in righteousness so that we are representatives of the King of Kings. The kingdom of God is about the fact that he didn't just call me to live in righteousness, he has empowered me. Man, there are so many messages that come out of the kingdom. I'm a kingdom man. I'm not the same person who lived in the kingdom of darkness. We often get this idea, okay, God had pity on us and he took us out of the kingdom of darkness. Yoo-hoo! But now we're still the same broken wreck and the same miserable failure, just we're living in the kingdom of God. No. No. There is so much more in the gospel. He didn't just take me out from the kingdom of darkness. He put a new nature inside of me. No, 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 no. That's not the response I want. I want a better response. He put a new nature inside of me. Now, listen. I am convinced I am not a sinner saved by grace. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace? Put your hand up if you've ever heard it. How many of you have ever said it? Why do we keep calling ourselves sinners who are saved by grace? I was a sinner. I am saved by grace. Now I'm a son of God. And I am a menace to the kingdom of darkness. We, we, we have this before image of us, and the only after image we have of us is after we've been forgiven, but we're still the same hot mess. 
Paul says in the book of Romans, I'm all over the place today. <laughs> Paul said in the book of Romans, once you were slaves to sin, but now you are slaves to righteousness. What's he talking about? My nature's been changed. Most Christians are still living under the conception that, well, I still have a sinful nature, but thank God he keeps forgiving me. My sins are forgiven, and he did a transplant. And what I got from the first Adam, he nailed it to the cross, literally. And when I was born into the first Adam, I got his nature. Now that I'm born again into the last Adam, I have his nature. Come on. You will never rise higher than what you believe about yourself. Never. And so we read the gospel with religious eyes. And it's the devil's trap to keep us in this poverty, miserable, sinner, beggar mentality. Not a sinner saved by grace. I was. I'm a new man. Behold, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. But see, we don't take this stuff literal. That's religion. Religion will never cause you to take it literal. Because if you take it literal, it becomes a revelation. If it becomes a revelation, it'll become a demonstration. If it becomes a demonstration, the chains fall off and the powers of darkness will start to scatter. And they don't want that. They don't want it to be a revelation. They want it to be a religious phrase. Oh, hallelujah, I'm a new creation. What's the reality to that? What's the reality that you are a new creation? What does it mean in nuts and bolts? What does it really mean? Oh, well, I can sing it, and when I sing it, I get happy. Yes, it's literally in here. But you won't untap it unless you believe it. You will never be anything bigger than what you believe you are. And so we read this stuff in the Gospels, we don't really believe it. And most preachers, they don't have the revelation to teach it. And I'm not saying that out of arrogance. I've been around. I've been around a long time. And uh, we're blessed in this house. Okay, it's my personal opinion. We're blessed in this house. There's a new nature in me. And I choose to believe what the Word of God says about me. Because when I come into agreement with what God says, then the miracle that really happened will start to live through me. Praise God. Well, I didn't plan on preaching any of that. None of that. None of that's in my sermon notes, but uh, what the heck. Hey, we all need, uh, you know, oh, someone needed to hear that. There's one person. No, we all needed to hear that. Yeah. Praise God. All right. So, <laughs> over the last four or five weeks, I've preached titles like, What Kingdom Are You Living For? 
Are you living for the kingdom of self? Are you living for the kingdom of the United States of America? I love this country. It's my country. But this country is going to go down the gurgler like any other country unless we get Jesus back in the place that he's supposed to be in in the church. Whose business is it anyway? You're living your life. God has planted a vineyard for you. He's put a wine press in there. He's given you potential, but whose business is it anyway? Those of you that have been here, you'll remember the parables that Jesus taught. Parables are windows into the existence of how life is in heaven. I've never said it like that before. That was good. Pastor Carlos, make a note of that. And when it goes out on Monday, let that be one of the highlights. Parables are windows into the reality of how life is in heaven. That's not in my notes. I haven't read anything in my notes yet. <laughs> Except for the last two titles. The second one being, whose business is it anyway? The third one, are you rich towards God? What do you mean, what am I rich towards God? I want to be rich. You want to be rich? That's okay. Be rich towards God. Be rich towards God. Are you rich towards God? We measure a man's worth by what he makes. Everybody wants, oh, what do they make? Oh, look at these YouTubers. They got their own show. Did you know that they're making $50,000 a month? We measure a man's worth by what he makes. God measures a man's worth by how generous he is. I didn't say by how much he gives. Because a billionaire could give $10,000, and that's nowhere near as much as a widow who gives $10. The question is, how generous are you, not how much did you give? Hello? So uh, are you rich towards God? I want to be rich towards God. When I leave this place, I want God to say, wow, I lost one of my great producers. Are you hearing me? Yes. It's not just preachers. It's us. Come on, say, we, we. The, church, the church, are here, are here. To, reproduce to reproduce everything that is in the kingdom of God. The next title was, How Big Is Your Bank Account in Heaven? You know, there was a big craze, the movie, Pay It Forward. That's a human concept, and it's a great concept. Someone does a good turn to you, pay it forward. But church, that's a concept stolen from the kingdom of God. You and I are supposed to be living every day of our lives paying it forward. And not only do we pay it forward to other people, as we do good works, not to get saved, we get saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But now that he has saved us, we go on. He has redeemed us and made us and prepared us unto good works. Now as we do good works, we're not only passing on and passing forward to individuals, I am passing on to heaven a reward that will be waiting for me. I'm paying forward. I'm paying into my 401k. Right? Is that what it is, Larry? All right. I don't have one. That's why I got to ask. <laughs> But my spiritual one, Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 34. My title this morning is Kingdom Provision and Priorities. 
You know, to become a citizen of the United States of America, you have to pass a test. You have to go through an exam. They give you a study book so that you understand what it is to be a citizen of this great country. And it saddens me that the church all over the world doesn't understand the reality of kingdom living now. We think the kingdom of God is something we're going to go to. Whereas, no, the kingdom of God has come to us, and in a physical sense, it is on its way coming to us. Absolutely. And we need to understand the culture of God's kingdom. Do you know what, you know, in the old days, in some of the churches I grew up that were a little bit legalistic, we often talked about worldly. Oh, they are so worldly, you know. For example, today, I remember when I was a kid, if a guy had long hair and it was past the top of his collar, not even the bottom of his collar, he was worldly. And then when guys had hair down to their shoulders, we knew they were going to burn in hell. The first thing that would burn up would be their hair. You know? Uh, and, and so the word worldly became such a common word in legalistic uh, uh, circles. You know what worldly is? Anytime the world has inched in priority over the things of God. got nothing to do with the length of your hair or the length of your skirts. I remember, now I love my dad, and, you know, I thank God for my forefathers. Yes, I sometimes poke a little fun at some of the religious things that I grew up with, but I tell you, in all honesty and jesting aside, there are some things they had that I wish we would have. There was a greater sense of reverence. There was a greater sense of dedication and awe of God. And we need, we've become too familiar with the Lord. Are you hearing me, church? Don't get offended now. All right? Uh, stay with me. Trust me. You know, trust that I'm speaking the word of the Lord to you. But we've become too familiar with the Lord. And so while I might poke a little bit of fun, I also recognize that there were strengths there that aren't in the church today. And so worldliness is not whether or not you have a man bun or you have long hair or whether or not you're wearing the latest fashion. It was funny. They could wear fashionable suits. Hear me. They were allowed to wear fashionable suits as long as it was no longer the fashion. So what was in fashion 20 years ago, they can wear it 20 years later. But if it was current, ooh, you are worldly. Worldly is anything that takes a priority over God's world. Worldly is anything that takes a priority over God's world. You say, well, come on, are you going to preach? Listen, I'm tired of typical preaching. Look, I went to this conference, and there were some preachers that really, really, really got me excited and blessed me. And there were some preachers that I had to make sure I chewed the meat and spat out the bones. And you watch some of them, and it's so polished. God bless them. And I'm not saying their hearts aren't genuine. I don't want to be so polished 
that the shine is all about me. Okay? I, I want the shine to be about him. But anyway, I, I, I shouldn't. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to get myself into trouble. I got to keep my heart right. And it's time to shut up and keep preaching. <laughs> All right. So Luke chapter 12, 22 to 34. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Tap the shoulder in front of you and say, he's preaching to you, buddy. Did anyone not get tapped? Because we'll make sure you get tapped. Okay? All right. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about life, what you will eat. Don't worry about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Now look, everyone look at me. You may not like my dress style. Tough. But my point is that whether you like it or not, I like to dress nice. He's not saying you got to look like you just crawled out of the woods across the street. But don't, don't let your appearance become an obsession. I come here, I want to look good, all right? I, uh, anyway, he says... What? What are you? I didn't crack a joke. What are you laughing at? You got to be careful when they're laughing behind your back. I want in on the joke. They're all started laughing. I didn't say anything. I crack a joke. They don't laugh. I go on, and all of a sudden, everyone's snickering. It's like, what? What? Somebody slap a sign on my back or something? Okay. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. We get too caught up in stuff. Does that mean I don't like a nice car? No, I like a nice car. I would like a, a nice car as an, opposed to a one that breaks down all the time, Right? Not anti-prosperity. Watch. You're going to see the balance here. Watch. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. Isn't that interesting? They don't sow or reap. Jesus is referencing the principle of sowing and reaping. If you don't sow, you're not going to reap. But he says, look at the ravens. They don't sow and reap. And God looks after them. You don't sow. You don't work. You don't plant a harvest, don't expect fruit coming back. Hello? But look at the ravens. They're helpless. They don't have arms. They got wings. Have you ever seen a raven pick up a rake or a hoe and dig a hole and plant a seed? They can't do it with their little feathers, right? Beyond their ability, you can do it. You're expected to sow and you will reap. But he uses the principle. They don't sow and they don't reap. And he goes on and he says, Consider the ravens, they don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom, no barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? 
Since you can't do even that little thing, why do you worry about the rest? We hold on to our money. We are so concerned. Well, I only make X amount, and if I give the church this amount, or if I help the poor people, if I help metropolitan ministries. Listen, one of the things I want to bring to your awareness is we need to pay off the debt on this building. And I'm sitting here and I'm watching all the announcements and we're going to be raising 10 grand just to pay for the shipping to third world countries for a thousand boxes. And now we're helping metropolitan ministries and we're going to send canned food. And, and you say, well, it might be too late for down south. Listen, they've still got people in tents from the floods up in Kentucky and those places over there. There's always a need. And you say, well, pastor, why are you giving so much? Because in the kingdom, that's how you get. I'm not telling you to do it, and then I don't do it. I do it on a personal level, and as the head of this church, I make sure this church does it. And we, we give from uh, our savings. We don't just give from you. In fact, there are a lot of things that have to get done around here. I don't take a special offering every time we need a new air conditioner. I don't. You know, I don't take two, three offerings in a service. I can promise you, you could go to some churches and they will. Now, I'm not saying they're wrong, I'm right. This is not a spitting contest. I'm just telling you that we try to manage our money well. You bring in tithes and offerings, and I, I can count ourselves good managers. But nonetheless, I understand the principle of sowing. If you sow, you have the right to reap. If you don't sow... You ain't going to get anything, okay? And yet God said, Jesus said, look at the ravens. They've not starved yet. Why? Because your father looks after them. He's a greenie. Did you know that God's a greenie? He likes little birds. He'll feed them. He loves the animals. He will take care of them. But he said, you're more valuable. Because he said if he does it for them, how much more he'll do it for you. Now what's interesting, church, is that not only can we read this in Luke, but Matthew parrots, uh, not parrots, he, he parallels and says exactly the same thing. Matthew uh, 6, 25 to 27, therefore I tell you, Larry, stop worrying about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, uh, now I'm starting to worry about his body. He's got big biceps. Uh, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap. Matthew's saying the same thing. He says it differently. It's spread out in different areas of the chapter, but he's saying the same stuff. Look at the birds, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? To all the nature lovers and all the greenies, and I don't say that sarcastically or in a derogatory way, I want you to understand that God puts humanity far above even the animal world. Amen. We'll do anything to save a whale. We'll do anything to save a dolphin. 
there are stringent laws in our nation to protect uh, egg-carrying crabs. You cannot catch them during the reproductive season because the mother crab has got a whole berry of eggs and if you harvest her the car that drove you there the boat that took you there everything will be confiscated but then a child in the womb it's somebody else's right if it's their womb it's their right to take a life really try stealing the eggs of a bald eagle Forget about what the bald eagle will do to you. Take it to your local governmental office and say, hey, look, I got me a, gold, a, a bald eagle egg. The next thing, you'll be singing a song behind bars, and you'll be the canary, the bird in the cage. But while God loves the animal world, he put man as the crowning glory above all things. That's called divine order. You know the world is a sick place. We expect a male horse to couple with a female horse. And farmers would have a lot of problems if all the male sheep wanted to play with the male sheep and all the female sheep wanted to play with the female sheep and all the cows wanted to, you know, well, we're going to do it different. You'd see the meat cattle industry get really upset and they'll start saying, well, something hormonically has gone wrong inside their hens, heads. We got to find a vaccine to sort this out. Listen, we got a woke society. What we need is an awake society. Forget about woke, get awake. Awake in the word of God. So anyway, that's just a side note again. That's not my sermon, but anyway. All right. So God puts humanity and you specifically way above everything. You are a priority to God. We are at the top of God's chain of command. You are God's priority. Jesus did not lay his life down for the mountains. He did not lay his life down for the valleys and the streams. He laid his life down for a lady named Miriam. He laid his life down for you and for me. And we are top priorities. So now, instead of tapping the guy in front of you, or the person on your left or on your right, I want you to do this on your chest and say, I am God's top priority. Amen. Absolutely. You are God's priority. Luke chapter 12, verse 27 uh, to 28. Consider how the wildflowers grow. How am I going? Uh, that thing is my enemy. I'm sure there is a demon in that time clock. Consider how the wildflowers grow. You know, we could have had church and not had Caroline get up and give her testimony. We could have done that for the sake of time so that you get home fast enough to eat one more extra meeple. But how am I going to not let God's glory be revealed? Come on. Yeah. Does that mean uh, you want me to hurry up? 
Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor. They don't spin. Yet, you know, spinning as in yarn. Uh, Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is raked up and thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you? And then he says, oh, ye of little faith. He doesn't just say, oh, ye of little faith, when the disciples can't cast a demon out of someone and get them healed. He's also saying, when you can't trust that God is the source of your finances, and he's going to look after you, and he's going to prosper you, and he's going to clothe you even more beautifully than the flowers of the field. When you can't believe that, that is a God image problem. And he says, oh, you of little faith. Don't tell me God doesn't want you blessed. Don't tell me God's not in the prosperity. Have you seen how beautiful the flowers are? Well, I have. Look at that. I mean, think about it. They're like velvety. You look closely inside of those petals. Look, it's like velvet. Look how beautifully each petal is layered one around the other. It's like they're protecting each other. Isn't that gorgeous? Is that gorgeous? You want one? Okay. What color you want? Oh, sorry. This one? Okay, then you can have this one. So here's my question. If God thinks it's important enough to clothe the earth in... You don't get one. (laughs) If the earth is important enough that he wants to adorn it with beautiful things like this, what are you worth? I I didn't say you get a flower. I said, what are you worth? Then you pick whatever color you want. Which one? Okay. Okay. That's right. Sitting in the front, they're the best seats. Hi. What color do you like? That pink one? Okay. Well, guess what? I give you a yellow one. No, I give you a pink one. Am I making the point that Jesus made? These will die. They might last four or five days. So what did God do? He says, you know, I'm going to make flowers because we need the pollen and the birds and blah, 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 the birds and the bees and this and that. We've got to make the system work. They're only going to last five days. Heck, I'm going to spit on it and just make it look like garbage, and at least it'll function. No, he didn't make it look like garbage. He didn't just throw it together. He's not just concerned about the function of a thing. He wants it to be glorious. Because it represents him. There you go, mama. You want one? None for you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, We need more volunteers for cleaners. Here, you help me uh, interpret. You get a flower. Obviously, it's just the ladies. I got to speed this here up. Carol, would you like one? There you go. There you go, honey. Now, it's not just, everyone who's got a rose, look at that. It's not just that he makes that glorious. Look at it. Is it, is it beautiful, Lynn? Yes, yes. 
Lynn, isn't that an amazing thing? What do you think, Tupi? Isn't that just stunning? The Rose of Sharon. Oh, how I love the Rose of Sharon. Nonetheless, but he didn't just do that. Watch this. He says, as awesome as they are, and as many colors as they have, I like variety. Look at this. I don't know what this thing is called. And they put it in there just as an added trim, but it's like, how did he do that? I mean, really, if it's just for function, he could have made it black and white. He could have made it different shades of gray. But look at it. Touch it. Isn't it really cool? It's, it's beautiful. And then look at this here. Look at all the tiny hundreds of little petals. Which one do you want? Whatever. Okay. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Look at this. Why would he clothe the ground? Take whatever one you want, okay? Why would he clothe the ground? It's only going to last five days. Just do it ad hoc. Anything will do. We're only concerned about the function. We're only concerned. Here you go. We're there you go. Yeah, he does it. Don't share it with him. What would you like? And mom, you get the rest. There you go. Am I making my point? Yeah, I understand. This might not be a sermon that you will see on some televangelist program because he didn't shake enough or whatever. Tough. I want to be real with you, and I want you to get imagery that will impact your life. He said, if they're going to die, and yet he puts excellence into it. He's not going to put excellence into you? They will last five days. Sorry, I ran out of flowers. Why didn't you buy her some flowers? Straight after church. You know, you're not living on my dime, buddy. You're going to love her on your dime. <laughs> if he's going to do that for something that only lasts five days, seven days, maybe ten days, you last 80, 90 years. He's not going to look after you. He doesn't want to bless you with extravagance. We got a God image problem. When we think God's not interested in our prosperity, we have a God image problem. You're looking at God like you, like the daddy you experienced on earth. My father wants to make me look good. He wants me to be happy. He wants to bless me. He wants to give me everything he can. And he can. Somebody say, he can. Absolutely, Lynn. You better clean up. You made a mess after you said, oh, my God. This is a woman who, no, 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 stop. This is a woman who's got everything in her bag. I did a whole series one time on the banquet table of God. Nobody knew. And the first Sunday, I had the, the, a banquet table lined up with all these heating elements, and I'm cooking pasta soup, all sorts of stuff. Everyone's famished, and I start giving out bits of food. Now we got empty, dirty plates. Lynn stands up. She's got a, a, a black garbage bag in her bag. Where did this come from? You got any other flowers in there? <laughs> Holy, thank you, Jesus. All right, well, it's your job. You're cleaning up. You made the mess, you're cleaning it up. 
playing with you. Are you getting the picture, church? Come on. Are we getting the picture? You're more valuable than that. Look at this. See how beautiful that is? You're more important. He wants to crown you with better than that. Praise God. Yeah. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. We're so used to the kingdom that steals, kills, and destroys. Do you know when God took the Hebrew children out of Egypt, they kept thinking like slaves in Egypt. You know what the problem is with the church? God takes us out of the kingdom that steals, kills, and destroys, and we transfer that mentality into the kingdom of God. Sorry, you just failed the test. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. That was an incredible illustration. Culturally, we are so used to the kingdom that steals, kills, and destroys that when we get translated over here to the kingdom of God, we're still thinking the same way. And you know what the problem is with that? The devil says, if I can't have you in my kingdom, I'm going to control your mind in God's kingdom. And you know what the problem is with that? You will only have what your faith can believe. Thank you. God doesn't want the government to be your handout. I'm going to say it again. This is not a political statement. It is a biblical fact. God doesn't want the government to be your handout. God wants to be your source. He wants to put your feet on the rock. Jesus Christ, he wants to build you on the word. He wants your thinking to change. And he wants us to understand kingdom priorities and kingdom mentality. Am I telling the truth here? Absolutely. So he took them out of Egypt, but they were still slaves in their head. God takes us out of the kingdom of darkness, and we still have a steal, kill, and destroy mentality, and we're living in the kingdom. And we will never do kingdom of God works while we have kingdom of darkness mentality. Good preaching, man. Listen, I don't care how you respond. I'm going home and I'm going to have a hallelujah party. I crank that TV up so that my neighbors hear it. I'm in a townhouse, so it doesn't take a lot. Okay. Now, he says the same thing in Matthew. I'm not going to read it again. He says exactly the same thing. If you're signed up with Pastor Carlos, you'll get the notes and the sermon on Monday. You'll get highlights, et cetera, et cetera. You can have the notes. You can't have faith. Listen to this. This is good. Put it up on the screen. You can't have faith for your personal prosperity until you understand that you are God's priority. If you don't get that revelation, you will never step into prosperity. The whole idea behind prosperity is that I am God's priority. Rick, stand up. You got a loud voice? No. Do me a favor. Shout. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. Good 
preaching, Pastor Rob. That was a good point. I'm saying that was a good point. That was a great point. You can't have faith for your personal prosperity until you understand your God's priority. If you've got a, I'm a broken down mess and God doesn't like me and God hates me, how are you also going to be receptive to receiving blessing from him? The moment you believe that God's angry at you, the moment you believe he's looking to trip you up, the moment you think he's a, he, he wants to curse you, you immediately put up a barrier. Christians should be walking around with the attitude, I'm the apple of his eye. I'm his favorite. He went to hell and back to get me. Come on. Come on, people. Do you know that? He went to hell and back to get me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everybody go, yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, you won't say amen, I'll think up a new expression. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely no, but I said new. <laughs> How am I doing, Paul? Luke 12, verse 29 to 32. Don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Hey. For the pagan world runs after such things. Your father knows you need them. Seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. In Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Jesus must have said it because you got Luke hearing it and writing it. You got Matthew right, hearing it and writing it. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? The pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. But, for, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If you don't get into divine order, your life is out of whack. When you get into divine order, then God will order your life. When he's first, when the things of God are a priority, when we are exalting him by the things we pursue, when he's top notch all the time, when our number one goal is to please him, when we seek the kingdom of God above everything else, God will above everything else make sure that you remain a priority. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Divine order. Make the things of God a priority and God will make your things a priority. Luke 12, 32, don't be afraid, little flock. Your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Stop. See, I hate religion because religion makes us read stuff like this and we just keep going. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So if there is healing in the kingdom and God just gave you the whole kingdom, can you go and scrape a bit of healing off 
and take it for yourself? Whose kingdom is it? Yeah, he gave it to you. We got the church still living as if they're in the kingdom of darkness with a poverty mentality. God wants to steal from me. God takes. No, he gives. Hello? Yeah. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So if he's going to give you the kingdom, are you allowed to say, I need a little bit of silver? Stop being religious. We're too religious. Be real. Be practical. Come on. If I'm your dad and I bought you a house and I gave you the title and I said it's totally paid for, but I own the light switches. You'd be looking at me like, what'd you say? Dude, you're wrecked. I, I own the carpet. I let you have the walls, but I own the stove. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's all yours. Amen? Are you with me? Yeah. You say, oh, this doesn't sound like a sermon. You, you weren't around when Jesus preached. We got used to the American culture, what a sermon looks like. You know how Jesus preached? He sat down, he's playing with kids, and he's telling a story about priorities in the kingdom of heaven while he's playing with some children. How did Jesus preach? He's walking through the fields, and he's talking about sowing and reaping, and he pulls a head of wheat, and he starts showing them an example. If the farmer doesn't take all the little kernels in this head and put some back in the ground, he won't have a harvest tomorrow. I don't know if he shuddered and shook while he was preaching, but he sure was real, and he made the word of God practical, okay? We get too religious. Um, yeah. If God has given you the kingdom, then the resources of heaven are your divine right. If he gave you the kingdom, Phil, then the resources of heaven are your divine right. Luke 12, 23 to 34, sell your possessions. Ah, now I don't like this gospel. Listen to the principle. Stop freaking out. Listen. No, we're not going to grow long hair, wear hippie gowns, and all move to a commune, all right? I want my space. <laughs> okay? But listen to the principle of what he's saying. He says, sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. Everyone look at me. Okay, guys. You don't want to wear a purse? Wallet. How many of you would like to have a wallet that never runs out? You're not talking about the leather on the outside. I just bought a new wallet because my old wallet is falling apart. Okay? You're not talking about the leather. He says, provide for yourselves. Provide for yourselves. You do it. Oh, God is sovereign. If he wants me to have a new wallet, he'll do it. He said, provide for yourself. Get off your butt and get out of your stinking religious thinking and understand that God is in a sippy straw. He has given you power. He has given you authority. And he has given you a free will. Put the word of God to work. 
provide for yourself a wallet that's never gonna run out. How do you do that? Give to the poor. Be generous. The more you live frantically holding on to every last dollar you make, the more you convince God and you convince the kingdom of darkness that you're not convinced that God is your source. And the more generous you are, the more you convince yourself and the world God is your source. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Provide purses for yourselves that won't wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where thief comes near and no moth destroys. I'm not against 401ks. You've heard me make jokes about it a couple of times the last few weeks. I'm not, I'm not against having an insurance policy. I'm not against having savings. Not at all. But I'll just be honest with you. I've pioneered so many churches from the ground up without, at times, even a denomination behind me. In Australia, I belong to one denomination. If you went and pioneered a church and it was a good year for the organization, you got sent out with $1,500. A one-time gift. And then whatever you built and whatever you believe for, and you pour $20,000 of your own money to build a church sanctuary and everybody else pours money in, they own. But they gave you $1,500. Now listen, there's a place for everything. I believe in having coverings, okay? And if God told me to be part of a denomination, I would. But I'm never gonna let the religiosity of it control who I am. Are you hearing me? Okay, so here we go. Stay on track, Rob. He says, provide purses for yourself that don't wear out. Give to the poor. A treasure in heaven. And so I got so busy pioneering and doing the work of the ministry, I didn't have a financial advisor. I was in Australia. Nobody said, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need... Guess what? I'm not freaking out about it. Why? God's got me. Now, have a 401k. Invest, that's okay. But if you don't invest in the kingdom of God, you're a fool. What was the proverb we read a couple of weeks ago? The guy built bigger and bigger and bigger barns and then God said this night, your, your life's gonna be required of you. You are a fool. Because you could have poured money into making the kingdom of God advance and all you did was build your own kingdom. And when you're gone, it's all gone. There's nothing waiting for you. This concept of sending it ahead. Don't tell me God's not into prosperity. If he wasn't into prosperity, he'd say, come to me, ye that are weary and heavy laden, because when I take you to heaven, you'll be even more miserable. No, he talks about do your charitable acts. Be generous. I will give it to you now, and I will give it to you in eternity as well. Somebody say amen. Come on, let's stand. Where your treasure is, where your treasure is. Yo! I got everyone back. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will end up going. If your treasure is wealth, 
Money will strangle you. What's your treasure? My treasure is doing the works of the kingdom. It's my priority. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. I don't want Jesus coming back and my heart is in the world. I'm not against nice cars. Anybody want to give me an Ashton Martin? I'm receiving. I'm not against nice clothes. I'm not against nice houses. Don't turn this into poverty. God wants to bless you, but you got to get on the train ride of divine order. And when you make the kingdom of God first, God will make sure that everything you need, you will have. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. Uh, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will go. I want my treasure to be the things of God. Church, we are going to be raising finances. We're going to be raising funds. I want you to start praying. Yes, we're going to collect canned goods for less fortunate people. Yes, we're raising 10 grand just to send the boxes to third world countries. Yes, and yes, we have something like $800,000 between a new roof and our debt. That's all. And once we're debt-free, God can tell us jump. He could tell us skip. He could say, go buy that other place. Go here. Get more land. I want to build a Christian school. Whatever God says, we are in a better position to do it. Yes. Yes. Let me explain something to you. I don't need to do any of this. I'm 64 years old. I should be thinking about retiring. I'm not going to retire, not because he doesn't have a 401k, okay? I'm not going to retire because I still have kingdom business in my heart. I've been here in this church the last 20 years. Nobody's known me. In Australia, I was preaching everywhere. I had a limit how many times I wasn't in my pulpit. I was okay. I had 100 people, 200 people. We have about 360 members in this church. I'm okay. I don't have to be seen. In the last six weeks, I get invited to uh, Pennsylvania. I take the last session, a half hour in a men's retreat. God just moves powerfully. Guys were all over me afterwards. At the same time, I get invited to Dr. Tom Renfro's conference, and I'm preaching to 100 pastors that represent hundreds of pastors your daddy came and sat with me. He says, I love the fact you preach kingdom. Next year, May sometime, God willing, he wants me to go to Brazil and speak to a conference of pastors. I'm looking forward to that. He wants to introduce me to the head of the Latino uh, Association of Pastors here in Tampa. I, I, I can sit back. I get a wage. I get a wage. I'm not looking to make more money. I'm looking to do more work. I want to be rich towards God. We need Christian schools. The garbage they're teaching your grandchildren and the garbage they're teaching your children is going to take them to hell. We don't need a woke society. We need an awake church. Are you with me? Come on. The world is getting stupider and stupider. And we need to get into the word of God and take kingdom values and kingdom priority. So yes, I want to position ourselves so that when God says jump, we can jump. 
And so over the next few weeks and the next few months, I want you to seriously start praying, God, what do you want me to invest in this house? I mean it. What do you want me to invest? Don't be afraid. Let faith speak in your spirit. Come on, church. There is a whole heap that we can do, but I can't do it and we can't do it while we are beholding to the banks. The banks are not my favorite people. They're the first ones to get bailed out and they get the biggest paychecks. Everybody else loses their home. If you learn the secret of generosity, you will reap the blessings of God's prosperity. Amen. As we close this morning, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, If you've slipped away from God, I want you to raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want Jesus. Come on. Maybe you go to a church. It's not about going to a church. I'm not asking you, oh, come to this church. Oh, this one's nicer. I like this one. He should preach less, but I like this one. No, changing churches doesn't get you into heaven. Being in the right church doesn't get you into heaven. Having Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, deliberately saying, come into my life, that's the only thing that will get you into heaven. Your Catholicism won't get you to heaven. I don't care what the priest said. And your Baptist theology won't get you into heaven. And grace and faith won't get you into heaven by being a member. Jesus will. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, and you want to do that today, come on, last chance, I'm going to close. Raise your hand, say, Pastor, that's me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Okay. You like seeing healings? You like seeing miracles? You like seeing that the kingdom of God is now? Okay, then give into the kingdom of God now. I'm not taking an offering. Get ready. Start praying. If you can give, you know, if $1,000 is, man, that's a stretch. I'm a little widow and I've got nothing. That's great. It's not what you give. It's how generously you give from what you have. Some of you will be in a position to give 50 grand and you won't even bat an eyelid. And if that's you, giving 50 grand and you're not even batting an eyelid, then bat an eyelid and give 100. <laughs> Galen, am I making sense? There are people that have got to get saved. There are kids that have got to stop being indoctrinated in doctrines of demons. We got a job to do, a big job. And I'm not ready to slow down. So back me up. God told all the pastors, they were unanimous in agreement as soon as I said it. It's about two, three months ago. They were unanimous immediately. They said, we've got to do it. In fact, they've been pushing me because I've been hesitant. Oh, well, you know, the shepherd in me wants to worry about everybody. Forget about it. That's the Italian in me. Forget about it. Let God take care of it. Your key to prosperity is your generosity. Amen. So I want you to pray and say, God, 
What can I do? What can I bring? What can I give? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Next week, Pastor Collis will show the video from Rev C. Okay? You remind me. Father, I thank you for these folk. Bless them. Help them to step out in faith and not in fear. Help them to understand your heart. That's what I'm trying to teach here. That they will understand your heart so that they really thrive in the relationship of who you are. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Turn around and hug half a dozen.